Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Read Through the Bible with Elder Linda. Glad you joined me. Uh, we have a wonderful lesson today uh, where we're going to continue reading about how God is turning the nation of it, turning Israel into a nation, turning his chosen people into a nation. Uh, here, if it's your first time coming on, to, on the channel, we read the scriptures together, make sure we understand it, and we try and make an application to our life as the Spirit gives it to us. But uh, if you subscribe to the channel called Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda, you'll be notified whenever a new video is posted because I post a video by Wednesday of every week, sometimes up as, as late as Tuesday evening, but definitely by Wednesday, a new video is posted. Uh, we are now in uh, Exodus. We're in chapter six. Um, and also remember any comments or questions that you have are always welcome as well. But last week we talked about Moses' uh first confrontation with Pharaoh, which didn't go too well. Uh, he uh, told Pharaoh that God was wanted to, him to uh, let the people go. And uh, Pharaoh said, well, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Pharaoh did not um, take kindly to that. And in fact, he made things really hard for the children of Israel. And he, uh, he made it so that they would have to continue to make bricks, but Pharaoh refused to give them any straw. Now they have to scavenge around and find straw the best way they could. Um, so, you know, the people were kind of upset and bitter about that. Uh, and Moses, of course, went to the Lord in prayer and, uh, asked God, well, well, what about this Lord? You've made it worse for these people, you know? So, and we talked about how you're supposed to take everything to the Lord in prayer. If it's worth, uh, talking about, it's worth praying about. And he went to the Lord about it. We also talked about, uh, the promises in chapter six, uh, that God gave to Moses, because in chapter six, the first 13 verses, as far as we got yes, uh, last week, but God assured Moses that, okay, now, you know, after Moses had prayed to him and said, well, what's going on, Lord? He made it worse for the, for the children of Israel. And God said, okay, now you're going to see how I'm going to act. It's time for me to act. In other words, God said, I'm going to show them who's God. And uh, God gave them some promises that we talked about. He told them uh, some declarations uh, that God said, not only did he tell him, tell Moses who I am, I'm God, I'm Yahweh, I'm the great Jehovah. He says, I would, in verse uh, Exodus 6, verse 5 through 7, says, I will deliver you, I will make you my people, I will be your God, and I will bring you into the land of Canaan, the promised land. So God had made some promises uh, to the children of Israel, and it's time for him to move. They're about to see something now. Uh, and also, um, he ordered, God ordered Aaron and Moses to go back to Pharaoh. And God demanded that they bring the children of Israel out. So God's not playing. God, God is ready. He's ready to act and to move, uh, move on behalf of his people. So today we're going to start, we're going to finish chapter six. We're going to start in verse 14. And also, we're going to begin talking about the 10 plagues. Because, like I said, God is getting, re getting ready to move. He's getting ready to act. And just uh, so that you have those plagues listed down, because we're going to go through them one at a time. But the plagues include, number one, turning the water into blood. That'll be chapter 7. In chapter 8, we're going to read about the plague of the frogs, the lice, and the flies. Chapter 9, we're going to read about the plague of the livestock, which is going to put a disease on the livestock, the cattle and the sheep and all that. Um, uh, chapter, and also in chapter nine, the plague of the boils, the plague of hail, 
And then in chapter 10, we're going to talk about the plague of locusts, the plague of darkness. And finally, in chapter 11, we're going to talk about the plague of the death of the firstborn. So amen, amen. And, and before we jump in and say prayer, I just want to, uh, uh, one correction. Actually, I put it on the notes in on Facebook and on the notes in on the YouTube channel. Uh, talking pretty fast, you know, we're not perfect, we make mistakes. But talking pretty fast, I was saying that uh, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They went down in 70 people and they came out over 2,000, which was a slip of the tongue. They came out over 2 million people. They went down to 70, came out over 2 million. But we had talked about that before. It should be in your notes from earlier that there were over 2 million people, but I mistakenly said 2,000. Just want to make sure we correct that. Okay, so let's just start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We magnify your name. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this, this opportunity to get into your word, to learn more about you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just, just come in and take over. Take over the teaching and show us those things that we've not seen. And we'll be careful to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you for everybody that's listening and everybody that will listen. Praying that God will bless you and multiply uh, whatever you need in the name of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to start right up with um, chapter 6. And I don't know how far we're going to get, so we're just going to go at it and see how the Spirit leads. Because, you know, sometimes I have an ambitious uh, agenda of how where I want to go to, and the Holy Spirit kind of stops me in my tracks or uh, stops at a certain place and parks at a certain spot. So we just want the Holy Spirit to have his way, whatever he wants to say, because he knows what needs to be said more than I do. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so we're going to go to verse 14. We're on Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 14, because we read the first 13 verses last week. So verse 14 of Exodus chapter 6 says, These are the ancestors of some of the clans of Israel. The sons of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. Now, this is the part we really usually don't like to to read, and you know, I, I'm, and I understand, I'm with you, because when it gets to those beget chapters, this one beget, this one, this beget, this one, those are the ones we try, we want to skip over, but how many of you know we're reading through the Bible, so we're going to read them, we're going to stumble over these names, uh, you're going to say them the best way we can, amen, but I believe the reason why Moses put this genealogy right here is because he wants to bring out the fact that uh, the Levites are going to be um, the tribe eventually down the road, we're going to see the Levites are going to be chosen to be the priesthood. The Levites are going to be chosen to do the work in the tabernacle, which we're going to learn about later. So I believe that's why he's putting this here because he, he's going to uh, uh, cause the Levites to stand out. Because this genealogy is not a full genealogy. He's only going to talk about uh, Jacob's first three sons, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Jacob had 12 sons, but he only talks about those three. And then when we get to Levi, you're going to see how he starts breaking Levi down into who Levi's sons were, who his son's sons were, and on down the line. Okay, so to tell us where Moses and Aaron came from. Okay, so anyway, let's go back to um, verse 14. So these are the ancestors of the sons 
of the clans of Israel. The sons of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, Israel's the same as Jacob, uh, it was Israel, Jacob's oldest son, were Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. Their descendants became the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jamuel, Jamin, Obed, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul. Shaul's mother was a Canaanite woman. Their descendants became the clans of Simeon. These are the descendants of Levi. Take note of the word Levi, because this is who we're going to start camping on and talking about. These are the descendants of Levi as listed in their family records. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Gershon, Kohath, Morairi. And Levi lived to be 137 years old. The descendants of Gershon, Gershon is Levi's son. His descendants included Libni and Shimeon, which each of whom became the ancestor of a clan. The descendants of Kohath, Kohath is also one of Levi's sons. Uh, the descendants of Kohath included Amram. You want to take note of Amram. Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. Kohath lived to be 133 years old. Then the descendants of Merari, that's another one of Levi's sons, Merari, third one. The descendants of Merari included Mahili and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites as listed in their family records. I'm in verse 20. Now, Amram, go back to verse 18, where Amram was one of Kohath's children. Kohath was Levi's uh, son. So you have Levi, Kohath, and then Amram. So he's talking about Amram, verse 20. Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she gave birth to his sons. Now, remember back in the Bible days, uh, they had different different way they did things, and they did allow for uh, family to marry family. In fact, it was encouraged that you married somebody that was that was a a kinship uh, relation to you. And of course, we're going to find out that later on, uh, Moses is going to pass a law that's going to eliminate that uh, marrying your sister or your half sister. He's going to you know do away with that. But right now, it's allowed. So verse twenty, Aaron married his father's sister. Jacob, Jacobed, and she gave birth to sons, Aaron, Moses, and you can add Miriam there. So uh, Miriam was the oldest, then Aaron, and then Moses. Amram lived to be 137 years old. And you want to remember those names, Aaron, of course, Aaron, Moses, and, and Miriam, because that's what we're going to be talking about them all through the book of Exodus. Verse 21. The sons of Ishar were Korah, Nephag, and Zikri. The sons of Uziah were Mishael, Elzaphon, and Zithri. Now Aaron, who was the son of Amram, married Elisheba, the daughter of Amenadab, then the sister of Nashon. And she gave birth to sons, now remember these names, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar. You're going to see those names again. So remember them. Very important. Part of the priest. They're going to be part of the priesthood. Verse 24. The sons of Korah were Aser, Ekna, and Abiasab. Their descendants became the clans of Korah. Eliezer, the son of Aaron, married one of the daughters of Putiel, and she gave birth to his son Phineas. You're going to see that name Phineas again. Okay, so I'm just trying to pull out the names that you're going to see again. So these are the ancestors of the Levite families listed according to their clans. Verse 26. 
And Aaron and Moses named in this list are the same ones to whom the Lord said, lead the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. So this is Moses, who's the writer of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's letting, making sure we know the Aaron and Moses that's mentioned in this genealogy that we just read, remember, um, that Amran and Jochebed had Aaron and Moses. Well, this, this is the same Aaron and Moses uh, that the Lord told to lead his people out. So he's letting you know this is the same people. Because I don't even know, sometimes Bible names are repeated. Sometimes their they're, um, names are used more than once. Once somebody has the same name, uh, there might be a couple of Eliezer's listed. But this, they, he's just letting you know that this is the same Moses and Aaron. Verse 20, 26. And Aaron and Moses named in this list are the same ones to whom the Lord said, lead the people of Israel out of the land of, out of the land of Egypt like an army. It was Moses and Aaron who spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, about leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. When the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, everything I am telling you. And we talked about this, but Moses argued with the Lord saying, I can't do it. I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? So remember, we gave some of the excuses that Moses had last week that he can't talk well and all this other stuff. Every excuse he had, God uh, counteracted it and gave him, um, you know, gave him a reason why he could do it and why he was the one that was chosen to go do it. Because God said, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. I'm going to give Aaron to speak for you. So uh, God told him, I'm going to be with you uh, to show that, that you heard from me. You're going to come right back to this mountain and serve me back to Mount Sinai. So God assured Moses that he was going to be with him. Okay, so let's go to chapter 7. So here we go, chapter 7. And starting in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. So in other words, God's telling him, you know, you're going to be speaking in my stead. And, and Aaron, I'm going to use Aaron as your prophet. Aaron's going to speak for you. Verse 2, tell Aaron everything I command you. And Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people go of Israel. To let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn. So I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Now, you know, it almost doesn't seem fair when you see that because it says, okay, it seemed like, okay, well, God, you're going to make his heart stubborn. So is that really fair if you, if you made him that way? But in actuality, when we continue to read, you're going to find out before God even said that he hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh was stubborn from, from the very beginning. He was stubborn from, from, from the jump street when they first uh, asked him to let the people go. He said, he told them, he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, who's God? Who's your Lord that I should listen to him? So Pharaoh was already stubborn. He had already hardened his heart. But God's saying here that I'm, it's kind of like I'm going to freeze his heart right where it is. I'm going to make sure he stays stubborn because I can actually use that to show how great I am, to show my majesty, to show all my miracles, to show forth these 10 plagues that I'm about to show on Egypt because I need these people to know that I'm God. And since he's being so stubborn, I'm going to let him stay stubborn until I perform all my miracles. So that's basically uh, what's going on here. Verse 4. 
said, even then Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. So I will bring down my fists on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. Verse five, I'm in chapter seven, verse five. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So all this, God always got a purpose. I, I'm doing all these miracles. I want them to know that I'm the Lord. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. And when he does, this say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh and it will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them and threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his, and his officials and it became a serpent. But then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers and these Egyptian, Egyptian musicians did the same thing with their magic. They threw down their staves, which also became serpents. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staves. Pharaoh's heart, there, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen, just as the Lord had predicted. God said he wasn't going to listen and he's going to stay stubborn. That's what he was doing. Amen. So let me, let's just read a couple of the... Uh, notes that I wrote down here. Uh, just note that in verse one, that Moses is actually representing God. That we are we are God's representation in this earth, and Moses is a representation of God. He's speaking for God, and um, he has sent Aaron to speak for him, which was in response to Moses complaining he, he can't speak well. So he's using Aaron to speak for him. So again, um, like I said, Pharaoh had already had already become stubborn, had already declared that he was not going to let the people go. He had already hardened his heart. God just made sure he kept that posture uh, so that uh, God could show forth all his mighty acts and his uh, all his miracles before the children of Israel. Show forth his power, show that he's more powerful and greater than Pharaoh and all the Egyptian gods because they had... Egypt had a lot of gods. Egypt served a lot of gods. Um, I don't want to get into the gods because I don't want to give them all that power or authority because they're really not gods. They were nothing. They they weren't real. They weren't they weren't uh, legit. Uh, they couldn't do anything. They were just things that they made up in their mind. But they worship. They they had a god of the now that they worship. And they, I I have the name saw this. We're not going to do all that. We're just going to tell you what. Some of the stuff that they worship. And this is just, just probably just a snippet of it. But they had a God of, of the Nile flood. They had a God of childbirth. They had a God that uh, uh, caused them to be able to do magic. They had a God that they called their creator God. And these are gods with little G's because they're fake gods. They're false gods. They were not gods. Uh, they had a God that they worship um, that was over the livestock, over all the animals. They had a God that they worshiped that was supposed to be for health. I, uh, I said, I wasn't going to name them all, but this one says Isis and other health gods. But anyway, they had a God that was supposed to be for the health, for your health. 
And then he had gods that were gods of the air. And we're going to find out when we talk about the, the hell and all that stuff, uh, how they were gods that were supposed to control the, the rain and the, the environment and what, what goes on. They also had gods that were supposed to control the crops and supposed to make the crops fertile. They had God, they had, they worshiped the sun god, the sun god Ra, R-E. And also, interestingly enough, Pharaoh was considered, he was considered the son of Ra. So Pharaoh himself was supposed to be considered a god. So this is why all this commotion is going on, because he thinks he's a god as well. So they served all these gods. And so God is going, is allowing Pharaoh's heart to stay hard so he can show them I alone am God. I'm God. And there's none other before me. So then in verse uh, verse 7, of course, we, 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 know, we recognize that Moses is 80. Aaron is 83. And according to Nelson's study Bible, uh, Moses is going to lead the people. And we'll see when we read. He's going to lead the people for 40 years through the wilderness. So he's 80. He's going to lead them for 40 years. So he's going to be 120 years old when he dies, finally. We're going to see that. Aaron, who is three years older than Moses, Moses is going to die the same year that Moses dies, and he's going to die at age 123. So I, I just think it's, it's interesting that Moses had been in preparation for his ministry for 80 years. You know, sometimes we, uh, when we feel God's got a calling on our life or God has something for us to do, and sometimes we get anxious. It's like it's not happening fast enough for us. But preparation is important. God has prepared us for whatever ministry he has for us. And Moses was in preparation. He was in preparation for 80 years. He was in preparation the first 40 years of his life where he spent in Pharaoh's palace being trained and educated in the things of Egypt. So he knew Egypt like the back of his hand. He knew everything about Egypt. And that was probably important for the, God, for the job that God was going to have for him in the future. And then uh, God took him for 40 years in the wilderness uh, in Midian where God was able to break him because Moses might have been a little arrogant and God had to humble him and break him down. So by the time God got finished with Moses, he was humble. He was so humble that he didn't even think that he could he could speak well. I don't want to do it. Let somebody else do it. And God said, no, you're the man. I picked you. You're going to go and deliver my people. So it was 80 years in the making where God prepared him uh, to go and set the people free. So whatever uh, God has called you to do, it's not too late. 80 years old and he was just starting. So you got time. You got time to do whatever God has called you to do. And God is never too late. He's always right on time. So just have patience and trust that whatever he's preparing you for, he knows when the exact time is for you to get, get going with that. Amen. Because you don't want to go ahead of God. Because, you know, Moses tried to, to go ahead of God. He tried to deliver the people uh, 40 years before this and he killed the Egyptian and had to flee for his life because Pharaoh was going to kill him because that wasn't the time for the people to be delivered yet. So we don't want to go be ahead of God and we don't want to go behind God. We just want to be right in step with him. Amen. It takes God to train you for your ministry, for your calling, for your purpose. So be patient. Amen. Amen. So in verse 8 and 9, it, uh, it, it starts and it begins. But God told Moses to first show the miracle of the rod turning into the snake. And the Egyptians were able to, to duplicate, duplicate that. 
So what does that let us know? That um, the enemy has some power, but God is more powerful. Because even after uh, their, they put their down their rods, musicians threw their down their rods, and their rods became snakes as well. But Aaron's rod, uh, Aaron's snake serpent ate up their snakes, which showed I'm still supreme. I don't care what, what kind of magic or stuff you're doing or uh, sorcery you're doing, God is still greater. There's no one greater than God. You got to know that because sometimes people are afraid of, some, you know, people casting spells on them or doing something like that. No, just know that God is greater than any spell that could ever be cast on you. Amen. Amen. He's got you covered. He's got you covered. There's nobody bigger than God. So we shouldn't be fearful of that because God's going to take care of us. And I believe this initial miracle where God uh, uh, was showing his power was uh, letting Pharaoh know you're not dealing with just anybody. You're dealing with a powerful God. Let's let's start here. So you can see that I'm really God, you know. So Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate it. And let's go to, oh, time is getting away from us. Uh, okay. Let's go to the plague of the blood. So then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. And he's still, I'm in verse 14, and he still refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river. And I think there was a, a regular thing with Pharaoh going down to this river. I don't know if he was going out there to, to, uh, to worship the, the Nile God or if he was going out there to bathe, but he went to this river pretty often every morning. He's, and he, God told Moses, stand on the bank of the, of the Nile and meet him there. Be sure to take along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announced to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now, you have refused to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the now with this staff in my hand and the river will, will turn to blood. The fish in it will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. So God is telling him exactly what he's getting ready to do. So he's forewarning him. Verse 19. So then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and raise your hand over the waters of Egypt. All its rivers, canals, its ponds, and all its reservoirs. So all the water in Egypt. Turn all the water into blood. Everywhere in Egypt, the water will turn to blood. Even the water that's stored in wooden bowls or water stored in stone pots. So wherever they got water stored, it's all going to turn to blood. Verse 20. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. And as Pharaoh and as Pharaoh and all his officials watched. Notice God had them watching. He wanted them to see. I want you to see this miracle. Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly the whole river turned to blood. The fish of the river died, just like God said it would, and the water became so foul that the Egyptians couldn't drink it. There was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. But again, the magicians were able to duplicate that. And they turned water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. Then all the Egyptians dug around the riverbank to find drinking water, but they couldn't drink the water from the Nile. 
and this lasted seven days had passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. So they're going seven days without water. And notice that God warned them uh, and told Pharaoh what he was going to do. So mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. So when it happens, you know that God said this is going to happen. And uh, he did it in their sight so they could see it, see it happening. And it lasted seven days. And musicians are actually able to duplicate that as well. So what are we talking about now? We only got through two other plagues. But we're seeing that God is moving by his power. He told Moses in um, the first uh, the first verse of chapter 7, he says, now pay attention because now you're going to see what I'm going to do. I'm getting ready to move. I'm getting ready to show Pharaoh who is God. And, and God began to demand. I'm sorry, that was in the first verse of chapter 6 when he said, now you will see what I will do. Uh, and God got ready to show him and say, look, I'm God. And there's none beside me. And I'm getting ready to show Pharaoh who's really God. Because he thinks he's God. But I'm going to show him who's really God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to stop there. Uh, and if you have not accepted Christ into your heart, please go into my channel. Read through the Bible with Elder Linda. There's a playlist there called The Sinner's Prayer. Where you'll be explained why you need to accept Christ into your heart. And there's also a teaching uh, tape there about, uh, about your salvation. It will teach you and give you all the scriptures about your salvation. Amen. So please go on that channel and accept Christ into your heart today because uh, time is winding up. Amen. And we want to be in the ark of safety. You know, I was looking at the news and just listening to some of the stuff that's going on. There's so many things going on and earthquakes and floods and people dying here and there. And, and you want to be in the right place. You want to be in, in the ark of safety. You want to be uh, where you're under the covering of God, even while all this stuff takes place. Because he's our safety. He's the one that keeps us safe. Amen. Amen. So let's just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that you are our ark of safety. We thank you, Lord God, for all those that are listening. Lord, if there's anyone there that don't know you, anyone that's listening that has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would prick their hearts, that you would cause them to see and to understand that they need you, Jesus and that you love them with an everlasting love. We thank you, Lord God, for keeping us safe, for your protection, and we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.